0: This episode of the Soul Joy Mindset Podcast is one that focuses on weight loss, weight, health, and fitness. This is an episode that is shared from conversations with my IG community. This is not professional dietitian information. Please seek professional advice when it comes to your own journey around health and fitness and weight. This is a personal conversation. It is vulnerable, and I invite you to listen and to also look for the truth that may resonate the most with you. Welcome to the Soul Joy Mindset Podcast, the podcast that invites, empowers, and equips women with the tools to release the hustle and grind and embrace a life of ease and joy. I am your host, Teresa Timms, a lover of life, strategic thinker, theologian, storyteller, sexy, sassy, freedom seeker, and coach. In each episode of this podcast, we will explore a topic that will help you change your mindset and ultimately change every aspect of your life. So sit back and hear yourself, see yourself, and truly believe that it is possible to live a life that brings your soul joy. Good morning. On live this morning, because over this week, I've gotten over a dozen messages in my um, Inbox asking me about weight loss, asking me about health and mindset. And so I wanted to give an opportunity this morning to really give a space for Q and A for people to ask their questions um, about mindset, about weight loss, about health. Yeah, so over this week, and I think people have been thinking about it because it's a new year, of course, and there's all of this pressure around diet culture at the beginning of a new year. And when people entered my inbox, they really were sharing um, not so much stuff around diet and culture, but how do I really make changes to improve my health, improve my weight. Um, People shared about their weight journeys, about um, having high blood pressure. There's someone who follows me who says like, I'm actually at an ideal weight and my blood pressure is so high. Like I, like just getting in control of that and her mindset around medications and all that kind of stuff. And so I wanna be very, very clear that my Q&A this morning um, is not about diet culture, as much about really being honest about what it's taken for me to maintain um, a significant weight loss, the mindset around health and reclaiming our health. And how do we switch from diet cultures where we're truly torturing our body to having a healthy relationship with our bodies and healthy relationship with um, with what it means for us to be fully embodied? Um, so where is everybody coming from? I know it's early on a Saturday morning and I decided to do this out of the blue. Um, because it's an important conversation. So where is everyone? Where are you in the in the world? Is it Central Time? Is this like seven forty five for you? Um, yeah, it's it's early. I as you know, even on Saturdays, I get up early, so I've been up for a while and been out in the snow and about to get my day started. So Q and A. What are questions that you all have um, about? Any Philly, hey Philly down the street. Good morning, Taylor. Um, what questions do you all have? Um I can just get started by saying that Diet culture is is bullshit. Diet culture wants us to Baton Rouge! Hey, I'm from Biloxi, I love Baton Rouge, Ponchatoula, all of the all of the things. Good to see. I wish I could come home this year for Mardi Gras, but. That's just not going to happen with the Rona. Um, diet culture is made for us to hate our bodies. Diet culture is all about numbers on a scale. It's all about medical bullshit of BMI. I may have a lot of curse words this morning. Um, medical bullshit of BMI. Diet culture is this constant... Um, space of telling you that you are not enough, that there's something else that need to be tinkered or fixed with your body. And uh, the trappings of society is that you must be smaller. Your body must be smaller. There's something wrong with your body. And so there's tons of tinkering and things to make your body make your body smaller in a society that loves big we love big cars we love big houses um if you watch any of these realtor shows it's about big big houses we love big bank accounts big trucks big cars big 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 and flashy but then we tell people we want them to be small and we want people to be small in ways that um that that's detrimental and so what does it mean for us to have a mindset of if being healthier for you is truly around losing weight, like losing pounds on your body? How can you lose pounds on your body um, and not fall into the trappings of diet culture? And it is a really sticky, tricky line between the two. Um, it is hard to... It is so... Um, I'm trying to find the word it's like temptation. Um, it's like Pandora's box of what happens when you lose weight the endorphins that sometimes kick up like this correlation of I am worth more because these numbers are going down or um, I am I am better I am I am inherently better now because these numbers are going down. Um, no, you are not better. you are not worthy of more because I'm, you you're already worthy and better and a badass before any number on the scale determine that for you before any number on a scale no number on the scale can give you the value and the worth of who you are but that is the that's the trick of diet culture and that is what that's why diet culture is so lucrative um that's why people give so much money over to this system um that's all about I can fix you and make you better. But if we were to think about that and nuance that some more, um, if you have this thing of, I don't need to be fixed. I don't, thus a system can't fix me. Thus a program can't fix me. Thus a, I'm just adding an ornament to the tree if you decide to do a program or do it or use a tool or whatever that is that is just me picking up another something from the tree um, to help me on this journey but it doesn't inherently make me better and so the mindset around health the mindset around reclaiming your your body the mindset around um, if you definitely are someone who need to lose weight um I get tripped up on the words of talking about this because it is it's such a slippery slope um, as someone who was more super, super I was categorized super morbidly obese, I know what it's like to need to to have to lose a significant amount of weight and no matter whatever tool you use whether you do surgery whether you do keto or run seventeen thousand miles. Um, when you get to whatever number you want to get to, if the mindset, if your mindset around your body, if your mindset around food, if your mindset around health has not shifted, you just have the same unhealthy mindset just in a smaller body. You just have the same unhealthy mindset around you. You still hate your body um you still if you hate your body at whatever weight at your goal weight you're gonna hate your body and it may not be in in anymore because of the weight because you've you've checked off the number but now it's gonna be because at that weight you don't look like what you thought you would look like right like um say oh i want to lose 150 pounds you lose the 100 pounds you lose the 50 pounds but your body doesn't look this tone as you want your body to look so now there's this other unhappiness around your body and then like you go hard in the paint around toning your body but it's never gonna be because of the expectations the mindsets around it is all around discipline and making it hard and controlling this thing more so than it is around loving around grace around truly being good to your body Once I made the mindset shift of, I am am worth being good to myself, it made such a difference for me. When I went from this discipline, like I just need to be a hard ass and do this thing and be so hard on myself. When I went to the space of how to show up and love my body, my relationship with my body, my relationship with food, my relationship with exercise, Absolutely changed. Good morning. As for me and my body, is somebody who um I've met via Girl Trek, and um she's lost a significant amount of weight, and she's been in this journey for a very long time as well. Good morning, Kevin. Kevin has a question. How does one begin to show grace to one's body? Kevin, it really is like the this is going to sound corny and cheesy, but this is true. It is thinking about all that your body has brought you through. You've gotten to whatever age in your life in that body. There's nowhere along the line where you have switched out your body for another body, like physically switched out your body for another body. So think about how many miles your feet have walked, how many amazing things your hands have touched even your belly, like how many ways like your belly has kept you healthy when you've eaten something and you didn't get food poisoning or you had some parasite. I mean, all the ways that your body has shown up for you, even when you've done the worst things to it, when you drank too much or you did drugs too much or you like just used your body in ways that weren't healthy for you, that weren't good for you, your body has continued to show up for you. And Your body is also talking to you. And so the grace that I show my body, um, I have what I call lovingly flabbles, right? Like I have, I've lost over 250 pounds. So because I've lost over 250 pounds, I have loose skin. And how I have embraced this loose skin is that like this hanging piece of flesh right here, has carried so many children in baptism, has hugged so many people, have kept me warm, has helped me literally pick myself up when I needed to pick myself up. Um, these thighs I will always have thick, big thighs like that 's just how my body is made, and so it is looking at myself naked, like looking at myself naked smiling at my body in the mirror like oh hey girl like oh yes like really this place of this grace of this is not society's level of perfection but today for me this is this is damn perfect like this is this is the body that I have um people who've um um I love the movement that I see on social media with um women who've had babies and now they have um, stretch marks on their stomachs or they have, and it's like these tiger, they call them, I guess, some tiger stripes, like the magic of bringing a, another person into this world, like it gets me choked up, like the magic of you have actually carried a human in your body and brought it out into the world your and your body will look different but can you think about that that once upon a time you were inside of somebody else's body and now we have a whole movement that like people make those people feel bad because they haven't snatched their bodies right back are you fucking serious the grace, so so kevin that's my long way of saying like the grace of of looking at your body like people have been through trauma people have been through hard stuff you and i have been through trauma You and I have been through hard stuff and our hearts have kept beating. We have managed to keep smiling. Um, Our livers have continued to work after, I know I've drank too much, Um, that out of all of the horrible things that I've done to my body, that my pulse still continues to to move, that our lungs still continue to open and close. And so that's an excellent question. and those things for, for my body are working absolutely perfectly. Um, my lungs are working perfectly. My heart is beating perfectly. Um, that, that, that's, that's amazing. That's grace. Thanks for that question. Um, other questions that people have or other things people want to talk about, about um, reclaiming their bodies. The other thing about reclaiming our bodies is changing our mindset around while we're doing what we're doing. Um, I was an emotional eater. Um, I spent all of my life being an emotional eater because I come from a culture where food is everything. You feel bad, eat. You go to a funeral, eat. You go to a wedding, eat. You go to somebody's house, here's something to eat. Like food is love in the black community, in the southern community. I come from, I'm from Mississippi and my people can show enough cook. Like walk in your kitchen and take your scraps and make it into a gourmet meal. Like home made biscuits from the scratch grits like this is the way that we show love is by food, and so many cultures show love by food. um I am not a foodie i'm not a I'm not a big big foodie, but what I was' it was an emotional eater and so in the middle of grief, especially growing up, especially when I was a child, I remember uh, my best friend was shot and killed um uh Two days before my birthday we were nine years old and i didn't have i didn't have words for that and then i remember um i got in trouble for eating almost my whole birthday cake like just eating cake and it's because i didn't know i didn't know what to do with the sadness no one it was just like she was shot and killed um we gonna go to the funeral go on with your life and at nine years old like i had no bucket to put in that my best friend was shot and killed when we were nine years old. Her cousin was playing with the gun in the house. The gun went off and shot her. We were nine. We didn't have any therapy. She lived in the project. She lived in the row beside me. There was no therapy. There was no follow-up. There was no talk through. My family didn't have the tools to talk to me through that grief. And now when I look back at that incident in my life, me eating so much birthday cake was because I was trying to, like, do something with this grief. I was trying to do something with this grief. And I, I would always, like, I grew growing up, I would ha- eat and hide, like, hide food in my room, hide candy wrappers in my room, um, just all of these ways that I was an emotional eater and that carried on for the rest of my life. And what happened for me was when I changed my relationship with, with food was when I realized as an adult that now I have tools that I did not have as a child. That as a nine year old grieving child as a fifteen year old scared as an overwhelmed college student, as an overwhelmed stressed out graduate student, as a unhappy person in my marriage, as a when I was married, the first go around, um, all of those things like I would eat, I would hide to eat, and escape because I didn't have a tool of therapy i didn't have a tool of thinking about food as a different way. Um, food was a stress reliever for me and When I look back at that time, I don't look back at that time with disgust. I don't look back at that time with shame. I look back at that time of how nine-year-old Teresa, 15, 16, 20, 30-year-old Teresa was so aware that I needed a way of taking care of myself and I didn't know any other tools. And now 42-year-old Teresa, I have different tools. And so once I had this mindset and this understanding that I can swap out food for therapy. I can swap out food for journaling. I can swap out food for walking. I can swap out food for really crying. I can swap out food for asking for what I want. I can swap out food for a lot of different things. Um, Monica, hey Reverend, Reverend Dr. Monica Coleman, I ate grief all of 2020. Absolutely, we've done it through this pandemic. Anyone who's come out of this pandemic, who've been through this pandemic... Well, I'm about to cry. Anyone who's been... um, I'm about to cry because I feel all the things. Um, Yeah. Anyone who's been through this pandemic and you've gained weight, give yourself so much grace. This has been a really hard and scary time. And because we're living in it and we're trying to process it at the same time... It is harder than any of us will ever, ever know. And so if you found yourself sitting and eating your grief, um, there's a there's a scripture in the Psalms that say that they sat by the river and ate their tears. That's, we, we've been physically eating our grief. Well, anytime I think about that Psalm, um, Ellen Davis, one of my professors at Duke, she has this beautiful artwork around how they sat in their grief and and their tears were food. Um, All of the snacking that you're doing, all of the extra eating that you're doing, um, we are just trying to find a way to handle the grief. And if you are someone who didn't have the tools growing up around grief, Around any other types of emotions too. When I was scared, I ate because that's that's how that's how we showed love. That's how we showed comfort. And so, what happens is that that is the tool that we have, and that's how we've navigated it. And so, um, yeah, giving yourself some grace around that. You hear that? Good morning. You hear that? I find it so difficult to identify if I'm eating for emotional reasons versus nourishment or hormonal issues. Absolutely, one, two, and three are so so true. Um, She said she she's trying to discern or figure out if she's eating for hormonal reasons, for for nutrition reasons, or for emotional reasons, and that really takes a while of of like observing yourself. Um, And this is not this is not a live for tips and tricks on how to lose weight. This is not what this is. <laughs> this is a conversation. I thank you all for trusting me with this real conversation on how we consider food. Um, you hear that? What I what I've had to do is slow down. Um, I tr- I treat. I used to treat food, um, and I'm and I'm mindful of. I have to be so mindful of it. Uh, I I come from a family. My mother was um, addicted to um, crack cocaine and I named that to say when you are in a family of addicts, it is even easier for you to have an addiction to something. It may not be drugs. I've never done drugs because I'm so afraid of having a drug addiction. But that addiction shows up in different ways. And so I've been in um, twelve steps twelve step groups around codependency. I have an AA big um, a big book for AA. I've never been in AA. I've never I've never been an alcoholic. But I have the AA book because I want to learn. I wanted to understand how addiction looks because I saw addiction in my mother and how it tore my mother's life apart and how it harmed my family in so many ways. And I'm mindful of my predisposition now of being an addict. And so, um this is a long way for me to talk about. I use my addiction to food, my overeating, my emotional eating was also this addiction to like food and the sugar high and all of the things, all the ways that food was a soother for me. And so when I slowed down, Every day, I have to slow down to say, do I need to drink more water? Um, Am I feeling something? Do I need to journal about it? And that constant um, being, that constant awareness at first is annoying as AF. It's annoying AF being this hyper aware of your body. Um, But it was in that slowing down and that hyper awareness that gave me insights into am I eating for emotion? Am I eating because I'm really hungry? And honey, I turned 40 (laughs) and when I turned 40, 41 and 42 was like, oh, hey girl, here are these whole new levels of hormones that I didn't even have to think about before, but I had to then think about hormones. Like what hormonal regulation did I need to do? Um, No one talks about perimenopause and premenopause. And so, um, it's slowing down. My long answer to your question, um, my long response to your statement is I've had to slow down and, and, and like gauge myself in my body. It's like, I just ate a, a, a full meal. Um, why, why am I, why do I want a snack now? Um, what am I feeling? What am I running from? Um, am I, is this triggered by an emotion? Is this triggered by hormones? And so in slowing down and being honest about what I need, um, it's been helpful for me to, to get an understanding of what my body is asking for. Also certain times of the month, like my body, my cravings look a little bit different and me being aware of that. And so um, the work around addiction and 12 steps and AA has allowed me to, um, I, I've dug deeper around, um, around my food stuff. Um, as for me and my body, I can relate to this. Um, thanks, thanks for sharing so much about your mother. I have I've had a lot of shame all of my life around um my mother and addiction and I never ever ever talked about it until um I did in our mother's garden. And as some of you may know, um there's a there's a documentary on Netflix that I'm so thankful that I was a part of um with Chantrell P. Lewis and Dr. Brittany Cooper and Dr. Um there's just so many people in this documentary that I um that I was a part of. But when they first asked me to be in the documentary, it was about talking about your mothers and I Totally um, told them no, that I was not going to do it because I did not have this wonderful, beautiful relationship with my mother. And they were like, no, we, we need a different type of story. So in telling that story on this broader platform and telling um, that story on Nadia's um, podcast. All of the work that I'd done in therapy had allowed me to have that um, conversation. The last thing I'll add about that documentary was that when I filmed that documentary, my mother was still alive. And so I had integrity around everything that I said because I knew that one day that she would see it. And I never wanted—I never want to ever say anything. I always want to speak truthfully, but I never want to say things that are... Um, that are just, you know, like harmful. So everything I said in the documentary, I knew my mother would get a chance to see it. But my mother died before the docu- the, docu- the documentary came out, so she never saw it. Um, and I'm so proud that I did that project um, and I was able to share our family story. And in understanding the struggles of my mother and my grandmother and the tools that they did not have available to them, that's why I am so now willing to grab tools because I think only if my mother and my grandmother and my sister who are all dead if they would have had access to therapy if they would have had someone or a space like this on a saturday morning to say i'm struggling with depression or i'm struggling with my hormones or i'm struggling with my weight if only my baptist community in mississippi would have been more open to 12 step programs maybe maybe if rehab didn't cost so much my mother would have had opportunities and so i am a person that search out and cling to opportunities because they didn't have access to it. they And all my life, I was looking at them with this judgment of like, why don't you get yourself together? And now 42-year-old me look back at them with so much grace because you don't know what you don't know. You don't have what you don't have. Um, when I think about my childhood, like there wasn't social media. There weren't people talking about depression. There wasn't people talking about addiction. There wasn't people talking about trauma. And how did my grandmother endure all of this trauma of being a black woman and miss a fucking sippy with no access to resources. So I went off on a tangent on that, but that's why I am so much about resources and community is because if those things were available to my grandmother, my mother, my sister, I, I really do think they, they would have lived longer um, than they have. Um, Angie, the Brown Studio. Um, I find myself to be the opposite, where I lose my appetite when I'm stressed, but as I'm getting older, I'm gaining weight with little eating because of menopause, so I struggle for balance. I've always, um, (laughs) thank you for that statement. Yes, people stop eating, people start eating, like, stress looks very different for, for so many people, um, especially when it comes to our relationship with food and how we engage with stress. Angie, the, at the Brown Studio, honey... This past year, um, I was going through some medical treatments that um, I, my doctors were tinkering around with my hormones. I had always heard people talk about menopause. And I was like, oh, you know, hot flashes, they're not that bad. Like, whatever. Like, I would just see people. I have this colleague. I absolutely love her to death. And in one moment, um, this is before the pandemic when we were all together, she'd just be sitting. We'd be in a meeting and she'd just start sweating and, like, fanning. And I was like, oh, like, that's, that's a lot. But, you know, whatever. Honey. This year, my doctors put me on some medicine that changed my hormones and it literally threw my body into menopause. Like the purpose of the medicine was to put my body into a menopausal stage for a period of time. Angie, the hot flashes... And the mood swings and the weight gain, um, I think I shared, I gained 30 pounds in two months from this medicine. I was walking every day, working out, doing my Peloton, eating, drinking my water, and my weight would not budge. And it was like the hormonal shift at menopause. And no one prepared me for the mental struggle that that did to me because I became so angry with myself. Like, why in the hell can't you just lose a pound? Every time I get on the scale, the, the weight was going up because of this shift that my body was in with the hormones. We don't talk about that part of menopause. Um, and also the hot flashes they would wake me up at night i couldn't go back to sleep so i was exhausted during the day so to try to stay awake i was like eating to try to stay it was it was a shit show Um, i'm off that medicine now i have better gauge of my body but when menopause come around for real for real i'll have a system a better plan in place um you hear that love the documentary that's how i met you oh Thank you. Um, you hear that for letting me know. Um, wow, your portion of the documentary was so powerful. Couldn't even imagine it without you. Thank you so much. That's really, really kind. Thank you. Um, I'm sorry about your mother passing. Yeah, she um, passed away in December of 2019, right before the pandemic, and I'm so thankful that she did. Pass. She her health. I'm um, like declined. She died on Christmas Eve of 2019, and I'm. I say I'm thankful that she passed when she did because I couldn't imagine going through the grief and the funeral planning and everything during COVID. And so um, being with people as they've encountered grief during COVID and trying to bury people and try to handle all the business stuff when someone dies um, during COVID, has been heart-wrenching because I know how hard it was for me to do it in normal times. So I couldn't imagine how people um, do it during this time. Um, The documentary was excellent. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Other questions or things that you all want to talk about? Um, (laughs) I was there, yes, with the menopause. The other thing, too, about weight loss, health, reclaiming your body, and mindset is... um, If it is all about you being mean to yourself and doing anything to, to like, just constantly tear, tear yourself apart, it's not going to work. Nothing grows out of hate. Nothing. Nothing grows out of a space or mindset of hate. So if you have said 2022, I want to lose weight. 2022, I want to get control of my body. 2022, I want to regulate my hormones. If you're doing it out of this space of being docile and controlling around your body, it is never going to work for you. It's, ne- it's not going to work. We cannot sustain, like, that, type, that amount of hate and disdain that we have around our bodies mixed with love. It, it can't mix with love in the same way. It's not going to work. Um... Reverend Dr. Monica. That's me. My mom died in March of 2020. Grief without ritual and community, tough. Oh, Monica, um, I, I'm so I'm so sorry about that. And Monica, who said her mother died in March of 2022, um, like your your mother, this person in your life, dies in the middle of a pandemic when you can't even in March of 2020. We were in the beginning of this pandemic, Monica, and so it's like how you can't even get on an airplane to fly to be with your people. You can't even sit on a pew at a church and like be with your people. All the ways that the isolation of quarantine has like made our grief so hard and you want to beat up on yourself for eating potato chips or or like not moving your I mean What, like, what are you supposed to do? Um, This has been hard, especially for, and I'll name this for Reverend Dr. Monica Coleman, um, who is an amazing friend and colleague and uh, all of the things, you go follow her. but my, what I know about Reverend Dr. Monica is that she's a badass. She is a fixer, she is a doer. She she knows how to put things in place. She is a strategic thinker, she's a process theologian. Like she knows all of the things. And it is even harder for those of us and I know a lot of women on this um on this on this live this morning. We know how to fix shit. We know how to get things done and we've been in a plan and a place where all of that being able to fix and do and get done, it's been taken away from us in so many ways. And so having to process even that in the middle of grief, in the middle of your mama dying in the middle of, I mean, yeah, yeah. Show yourself so much grace and love for those of you who are navigating bodies and grief and all the ways that this has been hard. Um, Jackie, I'm also, I'm, I'll am I'm. turn 38 this year and I feel like I'm finally beginning to get stuck in my weight gain. I was slim built all my life and now I'm at the largest in my life. I'm mourning the loss of my youth. Ooh, Jax, thank you for sharing that. Um, this year with the weight gain from the, um, menopausal stuff, um, I can't speak for you, but what I can speak for myself is that, um, it was like, once I got over the anger <laughs> and once I got over the part of like there is nothing that I can do now it's like okay I'm a grown ass woman I am no longer my and also I'm way healthier now I'm healthier now at 42 than I was in my 20s and 30s actually to be quite honest I am at my healthiest now than I was than I was then but also what I what I've said to myself and what I say to my clients is that um, having this mindset of there's so much more life in front of me. And so, um, I may never be back to whatever size that body was. How do I nurture my body at this age, at this stage? How do I nurture what I have now? How am I, uh, how do I show love? I am all about loving on myself. Um, loving on myself in every single way. So how do I show up to this body? How do I show up to this hair? How do I show up to this face? Um, I now see like more lines and stuff than this face. And it's like, instead of like this place of being angry about it, I like did I did the morning of it. And then um, I posted somewhere this past year, I gave away almost half of my my wardrobe, half of my clothes, instead of being like, oh my gosh, I need to like fit back into this or wear this dress. It's like, even if I could fit back into it, would I want to? So I just gave it away. I just gave away over half of my clothes and that freedom of letting go um allowed me to imagine anew of what is my style now at 42 um what like what's something else that I can own as a badass at 42 that my insecurities at 24 wouldn't let me and so um I I definitely understand the morning and I've also just picked up the joy of um of yeah of of being where I am right now it is it is it like I am mourning. There are things that have happened in 2021 that I am mourning, um, and I'll be mourning and, and the grief of those things for a while. And I'm also letting myself feel the grief, feel the mourning, so that I can make space to feel the new thing. And each day I'm getting a glimmer of the new thing that I'm able to feel, and I'm thankful for it. So, um, Natty Spice, what's your thoughts on bariatric surgeries? Doctors have encouraged me to do it for years. I have many health issues and strongly consider doing it. I admire you for your weight loss journey. Natty Spice, thank you for such a vulnerable and honest question. Bariatric surgery is definitely a tool that works for people. Um, I am I I I am not against bariatric surgery. Um, there's a show that I used to watch a lot, um, my 600 pounds life with um, Dr. Now, <laughs> um, and the one thing that I love about watching that show and why I watched it is to get the mindset around um, the people in that show. And there's a lot of there that show is also problematic with exploitation and all that kind of stuff. I get it, but Natty Spice, my my question for you is it bariatric surgery is a tool and it's a tool that is life-saving for so many people and it is just a tool and you mentioned that you have other health is, issues that are under undercurring for this I highly recommend you if you are not in it go to therapy and I know therapy is a requirement before you get bariatric surgery however the statistics around bariatric surgery is that People, people, the the surgery works. All of the shits work. Surgery works, keto work, weight watchers work, all of it work. However, being able to maintain the lifestyle that's going to be required requires a mindset shift. I always do this, like turning the mind, turning the knob. It requires a mindset shift. So start going to therapy now. Not just the required sessions for you to have the surgery, but doing the hard work now so that you can have an understanding of all that underlies under that um I shared the other night on a live that um when I decided to lose weight it was January 18th 2014 and I remember because um I like it, it was a shit show I like lost my shit in my house with my kid I was under grief and um I went to therapy. I was, I was like, I went to this therapist and I was like, you know, me, <clears throat> I'm coming to therapy because I want to lose weight and, um, you going to help me like sort of do this thing. And it was a black woman therapist. And I, and I specifically chose this black woman therapist because I was like, don't let me bullshit you. And her response to me was don't bullshit yourself. And I was like, okay, she ready. She's ready for me. And so I go in and I'm like, I'm, I'm here to lose weight, whatever. And she looked at me and she said, um, you're probably not gonna lose any weight this year, but let's get, let's get started with this therapy. And she was right. I lost maybe 10 pounds that whole year of therapy. And then um, I've been able to maintain this 250 pound weight loss over these last, since 2014, over these last nine years. Um, and it is because I have done the work if you've been on this live um, since I started I did the work of being honest about my abuse about my addictions about my trauma about all the other stuff underneath my weight Um, as I said I'm not a foodie I I don't I'm not a foodie like I'm not a person that loves restaurants and all that kind of stuff I'm not a foodie I just ate so much Um, I that was my way of self-soothing and it was all of this other stuff underneath and so Bariatric surgery, it's going to work for you. It is absolutely going to work for you. But the statistics around the amount of people who gain a significant amount of weight um, after surgery, um, those statistics are alarming. And it is because for most of those people, they only did the bare minimum of the mental stuff to get the surgery and not really invested in doing the work around mindset and trauma and healing so that they can be, um, they can, they can keep the keep use it as, as a tool so yes talk to all of your team but be really clear and the one thing that I would say all the time is be brutally honest with yourself we can lie to ourselves so much that we start believing our own lies and so um yeah um as for me and my body um she said she's happy to chat with you about bariatric surgery um Oh, yet Monica gave away her clothes too. So excited for the new 22, even if it's scary. Absolutely. Um, Oh. Um. As for my body, she put at the bottom, Um. it doesn't solve everything. You have to be mentally ready. You can and will gain the weight back if you're not committed. Definitely talk to a lot of people that did it. Very emotional aspect to it. Absolutely. Howdy. Good morning. All right. Anything else? This has been such a good live. Um. Yeah. And And you know what, Natty Spice? For all of us, for anybody, I don't care if you need to lose weight, need to gain weight, need to leave a marriage, need to leave a job, need to... There are people who are hoarders. There, I mean, whatever your thing is, we all need therapy. Every every single person needs therapy. Um, I love Oprah the Winfrey. I love Oprah Winfrey. But every single time she says that she doesn't go to therapy, I am like appalled. Um, I I just I just I'm like Oprah. How have you been through everything you've been through in your life and not have done therapy and not? And she's she stopped talking about that so much now. But We all need therapy. Every single one of us. We need therapy. We need community. Like, I have so many different pockets of community because we all need somebody and we all need people who walk down this road with us. And remember, Dr. Monica said, every black person needs therapy. If you are a black person, if you are a woman, if you from are from a marginalized community, you need therapy. And I grew up in the Baptist, Church. Baptist and Pentecostal married together. The Baptist Church where it was like praying and fasting and and counting on the Holy Spirit, yes, I believe in prayer, fasting, Holy Spirit, and therapy, and medications if, if you needed. Like the there's no way that you can be a person of color in a marginalized community in any kind of way and not need therapy. We all need it, and so I don't care if you're considering therap- um, a bariatric surgery or if you are considering um, getting grills. Like, we all need to talk to somebody about our shit. And I think that's what what I'll, um, if there, what, any other questions anyone have before, um, 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 yeah. Natty Spice, there are people who are reaching out in community to you right now. From you hear that to, um, to... As for me and my body, as for me and my body, I really need to learn your real name because all these years I've just been calling you by your <laughs> your Instagram handle. As for me and my body, um, th- those there's two things that I want to say to us is that... Um, shared about my mother's addiction and me finding community. I am a person that I want all the resources. I am not afraid of searching for resources. I am not afraid of searching and looking for resources because resources are available, but a lot of times ego and shame keeps us from reaching out for resources. And the other thing too is that isolate, chastity, that's right, chastity. Um, And the other thing too is that um, isolation is a tool of the devil, keeping us isolated, um, is horrible. Shame, pride, and ego, and like holding it all in, is horrible. Um, it it just like it just gets our minds going on this whirlwind. And there's just a lot of times when it's like we got to get out of our own silos, out of our own thinking. Like when it's a party of me and myself, and I'm just like amping myself up for all the wrong things it's like, we need people. And a lot of times it's like, oh, well, I don't know these people. I don't trust people. People talk about you. Not everybody's like that. Not everybody's like that. Find you some good, good people. I guess I'm different because my pastor's daughter. We went to therapy. Pastors, pastor, a uh, mom was, is balanced. Honey, thank God for your pastor mama who believed in therapy and believed in all the things. Um, this has been so good. This has been soul food for me. Um, thank you for allowing me to have some vulnerability on this space. Um, thank you all for being vulnerable and bringing your questions here. Um, I also, the last story that I'll share is when Bree Newsom climbed up that flagpole, that was a watershed moment for me. When I saw Bree Newsome climb up that flagpole and she was quoting a psalms, and I was like, "Oh, the revolution is being televised, and Bree Newsome is not afraid and I said, "How can I use myself and my body for the revolution? Like what if I needed to climb a flagpole like that image of bree Newsome it stuck out to me so." in so many ways like it just sent chills through my body and that was when i was really just like oh oh i want to live i want to live and i want to take care of my body and so um yes um, i want to see the chats really quick Com- community is everything give me all all the resources um chastity says sometimes support is not helpful it's important to find the right support absolutely you have to find the right support. Your people are out there, though. You know, um, sometimes because we're so leery of the wrong thing that we sort of ask for discernment. Have discernment. You can tell when people aren't. You can always tell, for the most part, a snake. You really can. You have discernment. Um, like fear and being afraid and all that kind of stuff. Like we'll get bit a time or two, but don't don't throw it all away just because of, of one person that makes it. And I know that's hard if you've been bitten and been hurt by community, but don't shun community just because, because of one bad experience. Keep showing up, keep showing up. Um, I think we also have found a source of therapy through having trusted friends or, or, or confidants to confide in. Um, Angie at the Brownstone, the one thing that I wanna say about that though is, um, as much as I love my friends, I My friends, let me tell you, ain't nobody got none better than me. And if you do, your friends are everything. My friends are everything. And I have two therapists. I have my personal therapist and we have our couples therapist. I am very mindful of not burdening my friends with all of my shit. Not with all of my shit. I'm also very mindful of the reciprocal nature of Friendships of if you if you if there's a friend in your life who is constantly dumping on you and never ask you how you doing what do you need if that type of love is not reciprocated um it can be unhealthy so have a pastor have a spiritual practice go to yoga do the meditation and also go to a real certified educated Therapists have many different tools in your life my 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 friendships my they really support me and i'm so so thankful for them and i do the heavy heavy lifting with the person that i pay as my therapist and um, i love her too um some support is just there to be nosy critical and unhelpful this usually comes from those you're closest to absolutely but soon as you um elevate your level um those people weed themselves out. They really, really do. Um, I do not have many low-hanging fruit people in my life. Um, and I don't, and I, I really say that of, I've cultivated a life that I've had discernment enough where I know when people only want to be close to me for proximity to whatever they think that I can give them and people who are real friends. And And the less needy you are, the more elevated your friendships become. I'll say it again. The less needy you are, the more elevated your friendships become. Just take your time in finding it. Do your circle. My granny taught me to give folks one time to betray me, adjust, and my interactions accordingly. Absolutely, they may not have the capacity. Absolutely, therapy was therapy was a form a taboo for our community, but we do need formal therapy absolutely. Um, the other thing too that's important for me, and this is the last thing I'm going to say and then I'm going to get off of here for the day, is that who I am on social media is who I am in real life. Um, how you encounter me on social media is who I am in real life. I never want you to see me in the streets and be like, who in the hell is that? Um, <laughs> because me being authentic in this space um is important to me it is critical for me um i i i'm not putting up no fronts i'm not putting up any this is my real house my real face there ain't no filters on this my real like this like and that's important for me because All of my life, I always felt that I wasn't good enough because I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. I didn't have enough money. And I saw all these other people and I thought it wasn't available to me. And what I wanna say to you is that everything that you desire, it is available to you. Um, When I look back at my life, I had no clue that the life that I have now was available to somebody like me, someone who grew up like me, somebody with dark skin like me, somebody who had the family and the trauma like me. And so me showing up authentically for you is for me to say, my shit ain't perfect, but the work that I've put into this is so that I can be a possibility model, shout out to Ebony Janice, but so that I can be a possibility model for you, that you too can start over, that you too can... lose the weight. You too can get the job. You too can get the relationship. You too can get whatever it is that you want. It is available to you. So my authenticity in this space is really my gift that what I needed, what I needed in my life, what I needed when I was in a bullshit marriage, what I needed when I was at a job that I hated, what I needed when I was literally on the ground, on the floor, crying in depression, what I needed. So No matter what I post, no matter what I say, no matter how I show up, know that this is the real me. And if I see you in Trader Joe's, if I see you on the streets, this is what you're gonna get. Are you the superhero in everyone's life but your own? Are you exhausted, overwhelmed, and feel stuck in a cycle of working hard with nothing to show for it? Are you stressed, struggling with your health, Lack intimacy and a sense of personal fulfillment? This episode is brought to you by my Soul Joy Coaching six-month signature mindset program that empowers women who are ready to break toxic cycles and unhealthy habits so that they can claim their identity and voice to show up to life unapologetically. We use a curriculum and framework that is grounded in joy and centers vision strategy, community, and an abundance of love and encouragement. I guarantee you that Soul Joy Coaching will change your life. If you're ready for joy, let's talk. Visit my website, www.teresatims.com and take my joy assessment. This assessment will give you insight and help you to identify patterns and your growing edges. Use this score as information to help you take the next faithful step in claiming joy in your life. Go ahead, book a call today to get your score at www.teresatims.com.